everybody, and welcome to another new edition of Live from Pawnee. I'm Alan, and with me, as always, is my co-host, Mark. Mark, how are you doing today? Hey there, Sir Alan of the Roundtable there. I am fantastic and great and all sorts of other things. <laughs> and I'm also very excited about this week oh, because yeah? we have, you guessed it, Live from Pawnee presents Pawnee Spotlight. Another new Spotlight episode to feature. And Alan, if I'm not mistaken, this one has been in the hopper a while. That's exactly right, Mark. You know, technology is terrific when it works, but (laughs) sometimes when it doesn't, it's not so great. And, you know, in this particular case, I I won't bore our viewers at home about the the specific details, but just all I'll say is thank God for backups. Oh, uh, true that, yo. Uh, kids, uh, you know, if I'd like, if I could bring the lights down for a second, uh, if I had three pieces of advice, Alan, oh, that three. I would okay, give yeah. to, to, to the kids, I would say, first, uh, don't take candy from strangers. That's never a of good course. idea. Uh, second, never, ever drink and drive. Use oh. a seven iron. And then third, and most important, make yeah. sure, for God's sake, to back up your stuff in the cloud. Oh, my God. So true, Mark. Well, yeah. you know, we should tell our viewers what we're actually referring to. And that's our interview with the great director, Ken Whittingham, yep. who, who we first spoke with back on the season three episode, Soulmates. So it's yep. been a minute. And, you know, yeah, it has. I, what I remember, and I got a chance to re-listen to it, was that, you know, Ken was very gracious. He, he was nice enough to join yes. us. We spoke for almost an hour. And we had a great conversation with him we absolutely did and alan if i'm not mistaken soulmates was ken's second overall episode and and i think where we're at like as we're gonna air this interview we still have uh six more ken whittingham uh episodes to go or directed i should say episodes to go two each in seasons five six and seven yeah that's exactly right um, Soulmates was uh, Ken's second of eight total episodes. And, you know, I'm looking forward to seeing the next episode he does early in season five. It's, you know, one of the politically themed ones. And uh, mm-hmm. I think it's episode three, if I recall. So, you know, and, mm-hmm. and, it, and honestly, that's not that long from now because we're here at the no. tail end of season four as we speak. Yeah, we are. Absolutely. Well, what do you think, Alan? Should we get into this interview and let our viewers get a chance to finally hear our conversation with Ken? Yeah, absolutely. You know, I remember enjoying this conversation as we were having it. And like I said, I got a chance to re-listen to it this week. And, you know, um, he made it easy for us. You know, he, he had a, we had a great conversation uh, with lots of back and forth. And, you know, we talked about Parks and The Office and some of his other career highlights. And, you know, I think there's something here for everyone to take away and enjoy, truly. No, I, I totally agree, Alan. Uh, Ken was a great conversationalist and an even better guest. Yeah, I absolutely agree. And I I, yeah. I I really look forward to hearing this again myself. Me too. All right, then. Well, without further ado, uh, let's drop the needle on this thing and we'll check in again with you here at the end. All right. Enjoy, everybody. Our special guest today is a prolific director with a wide range of directing credits from shows that you know, like Bernie Mac Show, Gilmore Girls, Unbreakable Kimmy Schmidt, Ugly Betty, Community, 30 Rock, Californication, our favorite show, Parks and Recreation, The Middle, The Mindy Project, Parenthood, Scrubs, Two Broke Girls, Everybody Hates Chris. I'm going to take a short break here real quick and catch my breath. 
<laughs> Modern Family, The King of Queens, The Office, of course, Blackish, My Name is Earl, American Housewife, and uh, The Upshaws. And then, Ken, you also have been a producer on Suburgatory and Keenan as, as well, correct? That's correct. Yeah, I was a producer on um, Keenan this year, executive producer, and uh, and Suburgatory, and also um, uh, The Upshaws uh, and uh, Dad Stop Embarrassing Me with Jamie Foxx. Wow. Oh my gosh. You're making me tired just going through that list. <laughs> yeah, it's uh I've kind of gone into that to that um, arena now, the executive producer stuff. And uh it's fun. It's fun. Oh, that's great. Well, we're very, very happy to have you with us and we really appreciate you taking the time today. Absolutely. Oh, my pleasure. In addition to the rest of the items on the the list that Alan just read off, uh, you've done uh, nine episodes of The Office leading up to your start on Parks and Rec. Can I assume that having already worked with uh, Greg Daniels and Mike Shure on The Office uh, maybe led to an opportunity on Parks and Rec back in 2010? Yeah, I would say that's true. Um, I had a relationship with them. I think I did, I think fourth or fifth episode of The Office since I, I knew them early on. Um, I did the episode Healthcare. Uh, with them and so i knew mike and, and greg then and we um we you know we just had a great relationship and they pulled me on to uh parks and rec and so it was it was a true honor to be going to be thinking about me for another one of their brilliant shows that's awesome that, that's great you did many of my favorite episodes of the office but one that stands out to me today is uh we because i think i just watched it two weeks or so ago was phyllis's wedding oh yeah yeah <laughs> that was that, I got to say, that's probably one of my, whenever I think about the office and the episodes that I did, um, that one comes to mind first, actually, um, because there was a lot of um, things that we did in that episode that, I mean, some were on the page, but uh, a lot were, most of it was on the page, but some stuff we just came up with, you know, on the fly. And, uh, and it was just so much fun. It was just a, just a really crazy episode. It was, it was just so much fun. It was a great one. It really it, was. Yeah. Well, Ken, obviously, Mark and I know everything there is to know about Hollywood. We're, we're you know, here in Indianapolis. We're real insiders. But um, we, we were curious if you could at least tell our listeners, you know, how, how does a working director like yourself usually get their next opportunity? How do you how do you keep the pipeline full? A lot of it's um, what you've done in the past and 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 uh, relationships. You know, um, you know, most writers and producers, I mean, I should say most, but a lot of writers and producers know each other. And even if they don't, they they feel like they can call one, you know, another fellow WGA member and say, Hey, what do you think about this guy? You know? And then they, so the word kind of goes around and then, um, and they really just look at your, you know, your resume and, 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 and the kinds of stuff that you do. And I, you know, I've done a lot of different shows, but I've been very um, careful about the shows I do just to make sure that they're, shows that I can relate to. And, and I mm -hmm. think the rest of the world can, will laugh at, you know, uh, so some shows, um, I, you know, there've been a couple of things that, you know, that are, I don't even know if they're on my resume. They just kind of go away sometime if they don't, if they're not <laughs> successful. Um, but I think, I think everything I've done is on there, but, um, but I've done a couple of stinkers here and there, <laughs> of course, everybody does, but, uh, you just, the hope is always that you, um, can make something, um great you know maybe this starts off slow like it like with the office you know this office didn't start off with great numbers and um we were uh, i think we were on um itunes was that what it was called yeah. iTunes. Yeah, yeah. iTunes. and i think really the college kids kind of um kind of found it 
and, and start buying it and downloading it. And it really got the attention of NBC. And, and it was like, wow, even though the numbers aren't great, you know, this show is something. So um, it, you know, it was, and that was kind of gratifying, you know, because it's a very, it's a very niche audience, I think, to begin with. And then, um, and we, and even when I met, when I initially met with Greg and uh, about the show, uh, we were wondering whether or not, you know, I just, they sent me the pilot and I was a big fan of the British uh, version. And, um, uh, and they sent me the pilot. I was like, well, you know, America's trying to, you know, NBC's trying to do this, this new show. Um, I, you know, I hope it's as funny. And we talked about it and we, and we, and we just, and we just wondered would America get this show? You know, would they understand the, this crazy workplace comedy? And, um, and, and I, you know, I, I, I said, I think they're ready for it. I think they will. But it started off slow, but now it's just recently, it seems like you just had this reemergence, a resurgence rather. And um, people just, you know, go crazy about it and watch it over and over again. I can't even tell you how many people watched it through the pandemic, who told me they watched it through the pandemic for the first time. Yep. And it really got people through the pandemic, you know. That is pretty much how we started this podcast on the Parks and Rec <laughs> yeah. show as well. Yeah, um, exactly. Yeah, just sitting at home, going a little stir crazy, still working hard, but you know, we weren't getting out of the house much. So I called yeah. up Mark and said, "Hey, Mark, I've got a nutty idea. What do you think?" So That's awesome. let's do That's it. Awesome. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I remember reading about the Office resurgence, the initial, you know, with with iPod and iTunes. I think they shipped iPods with Office episodes on it. And that was one of the things that kind of just got it back in, you know, the, you know, help boosted in those earlier days. You know, the world was a different place then in many ways. Right. Pre-streaming. Mm -hmm. Right. Right. So I look at some of those older episodes and with this new, <laughs> this, this recent cancel culture, you know, I go, oh, boy, we were really saying some racy things back then. And, and luckily people, you know, were pretty light about it and, you know, really didn't take it too seriously. But I just wonder now, I look back, so, you know, I go, wow, I guess it's still, you know, it's still, it's very funny. Of course, it's very funny, but, you know, you just people, networks worry about offending people now. So it's, it's standards and practices. It's a big, a big issue now. You know, never tell it. We we have teenage daughters and I think they interpret the world differently now. And oh, yeah. they're they're pretty quick to look at things through things through that lens and uh call it out if they if they think it's not fair to somebody, which I think right. is cool that this generation is kind of coming up with that lens, you know. Right, right. I don't right. think we had that not as much. Right. I yeah. agree. I yeah. agree. I think it's also cool that that this generation is getting, uh, I think the office and uh, Parks and Rec and, and others are getting a whole new life uh, through like Peacock and that sort of thing. Yeah. So a lot of broader audience is getting an exposure now. That's true. That's true. I had to, uh, it was so funny. I hadn't seen that. I hadn't seen Soulmates in a while. So, uh, so I, I had to refresh my memory <laughs> about awesome. it. And, uh, and it was just so fun to watch because it was just, you know, it was, it really was one of my favorite episodes, you know, that I did of the, of uh, the show. And, um, and it was just enjoyable to see it all over again. And just thinking about the, the, um, the fun we had doing that, doing that episode. I bet. That's great. Well, Ken, how did you get started in a professional directing in the first place? Professional directing. I, I, well, I can take you back a little before uh, I had my sights set on it. I was a production assistant or PA um, 
on um on a show called 227 which is oh, a comedy that was back in the 80s oh yeah and uh and with with regina king the famous regina king that was in that that's right and harley gibbs and jack hay and all those people but um i uh i decided then that i wanted to be a director so i didn't go to film school or anything um never uh directed really anything so i used that time as a production assistant and then i became a stage manager um on the show and i used all that time to really understand directing and what directing was mm -hmm. about in comedy and i would shadow you know different directors and you know while working as well on shows like true colors and another show called um uh uh was the living single um, oh, yeah. Yeah. yeah yeah so i would watch directors and you know and and the, you know the good ones the bad ones and kind of learn from it and then when i felt that i was ready to direct i let everybody in hollywood that i knew um that had the, the pull to give me a shot to direct uh let them know that i was ready to direct and so that was an that that's um that was a, a feat within itself because nobody really wants to give you that first that first shot because it's yeah. such a big thing you know it's network television and, and back then there weren't you know it was just fox and 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 cbs and nbc and abc so there weren't really a lot of opportunities so i um uh, actually a new uh, two new networks started at the time which were upn and wb oh, and right. i was i was uh, on a show called malcolm and eddie mm -hmm. and um Malcolm uh, is Malcolm Jamal Warner and Eddie Griffin. And so I was stage manning that show and, and a friend of mine who was on, on this other show said, hey, you know, I got a new show. If you come over here and let me, if you come, if you come stage man the show, I'll give you a shot to direct if we get picked up for the back nine. So I was like, sure. So I was going to leave. And then UPN or the show got wind that I was going to leave. And they said, oh, you can't leave because you're one of the only people that Eddie would listen to <laughs> because, <laughs> because he was a stand up and he was just, you know, he was in this new world and, and I could kind of rain him in everyone's you know, I could kind of rain him in. So they said, um, well, you know, what can we give you to stay? We'll give you more money. And, you know, I said, no, I don't want the money. I just want a shot to direct. And so that's how I got the shot to direct. So they said, sure, we'll give you a shot to direct if you stay. And so That's I did, great. I did an episode that season. Then I think I got it. They gave me another one the next, I think that same year, or maybe the next season, they gave me two more. And then, um, and then, so that's how I got my, my first opportunity to direct. And then it kind of went from, and I did all the UPN shows, you know, the Moishas one-on-ones and all the shows. And, um, and then went over to Parker's and then got a, and then I started directing uh, network television and my first single can, and then I was, but those are all multi-camera shows. Yeah. Yeah. And, um, yeah. and then the Bernie Mac show came, yeah. uh, came around and um, I was called in to, to ask if, because there weren't a lot of single camera comedy directors during that time, they're mostly multi-camera. And so that was the beginning of, of single camera comedy. Malcolm in the Middle was like, I think one of the first ones, you know, the, the resurgence of, of you know, single camera comedies. And so um, they gave me an opportunity to do one, uh, Bernie Mac show. And um, and then I just kind of fell in love with the whole single camera world. And so I just kind of stayed in that world. And that led, that Bernie Mac led to Scrubs and led to The Office, actually. Wow. Well, that, that's actually a great segue for, for our next question. So, you know, Parks and Rec 
gets compared a lot to the office, especially those first two seasons as it was establishing itself. And, you know, they, they had a lot in common, obviously, including the, the creators, the showrunners, uh, directors like yourselves who, who worked, you know, on both shows. And it was that faux documentary style, that single camera view of the world, you know, um, and of course they both had Rashida Jones. So, you know, what were some of the big similarities you saw between the office and parks rack and, you know, maybe some of the differences. Well, I think the similarities were, um, of course, the writers, uh, they're both, you know, Mike and Greg and the people they hire were, I think they were mostly lampoon people. Um, mm -hmm. And um, they were all just very smart and very bright and very, um, their, comp, their, their, their style was just, just uh, very different from most traditional sitcom write, writing. Uh, it was a lot of subtlety uh, in their writing but and very and a lot of quirkiness in these characters and the characters were all well developed and they all and each character i think in both shows um they could they could stand on their own they could you could write a whole storyline around yeah. them and so <laughs> casting was very very important and they were key they, they were very very smart in casting people like phyllis for instance um that was on the um in the office she was cast assistant casting director or maybe casting director, I'm not sure. Yeah. But she, she was on that team, yeah. Right. Greg saw something in her that was perfect, and you know, and that was it. You know, um, Creed in the office, you know, he was uh he was I'd worked with him on the Bernie Mac show, and he was um he was a atmosphere person and uh on 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 the office originally, and he was just so interesting that they gave him a part and then he became a you know, he became a big uh, a part of the cast. So um, they were really good at, at picking out people and understanding. Uh, but I think what the similarities were, I think why they were compared so much because it was a workplace comedy and, and it was, the writing was, I'm not gonna say similar, but it was just very smart writing and, and quirky. And, and uh, but the differences were um, that I think, in, and they took these, these, like I said, workplace comedy and these places that everybody could relate to. And I think they were just very relatable because they weren't, um, they, people could, you know, people knew somebody liked one of those characters in their office or, you know, if they if they worked in that kind of situation. And um, and I think that made it just relatable. And um, and I and I think, um, I think they were just, I know people used to make the comparison, but I always saw them as very different, you know, I thought I always saw them as very different. They, one, they were they were different in a way that um, I think the people in um, on Parks and Rec were just a little. I think they were just a little quirkier. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I, I, that's all. That's all. I think they were just a little quirkier, but you know. That, I don't know. That's just my feeling. I don't know. I know Alan and I have had several conversations about, like, for example, comparing um, Leslie Nope on Parks and Rec to Michael Scott. Right. And, and it's kind of interesting because both of them brilliant and both the show's brilliant. Um, but it seems like Leslie, I think, is a little bit more optimistic, whereas, uh, you know, Michael Scott maybe has a little bit of the cringe factor going, you know? Right. Exactly. I guess that's what I was really kind of saying. You know, I, I didn't want to say it, but yeah, Michael's very. He was a little cringy, as Ricky Gervais was, and but Michael Scott was very. Uh, he, he, I mean, I should say Steve Carell was was wrote that line very well. Yeah, you uh, know, he wrote it very well, where you still loved him, and I think the writers had a lot, of course, a lot to do with that as well. Um, where you still love, you just kind of felt sorry for him. 
you know, <laughs> and Leslie Nope was she was always trying to be positive, always trying to be the you know the, the team leader, and and um, and just could not get people in her office to <laughs> to behave rather for the most part. <laughs> Well yeah. said. Well, Ken, if I have my facts right, you directed uh, eight episodes of Parks and Rec spanning about, I think, about five years from uh, 2010 to about 2015. Um, and as you know, this week we're covering Soulmates, um, which I think was your second time directing. Um, do you have any memories of the, this episode, Soulmates, or, or any of the other episodes you directed? Like what what stands out? What stands out, that, that particular episode was really one of my favorite, Soulmates is one of my favorite episodes um, that I directed. Um, and because what I liked about it was a theme about meat, you know. And, uh, <laughs> <laughs> because because it, it, it's just, it was just so true that, you know, you can eat turkey burgers and, and they, you know, they're good and they're healthy for you and you can put all the ingredients. But to me, there's nothing like a good beef <laughs> burger, you know, when it comes to taste, you just can't get around it. And so, so that was, that was the, you know, pretty much the through line. And, and then it was also the dating, you know, of Leslie and, and Tom, you know, that, that match. And that, and, and, and during that time, that's when those apps were just coming out, those dating yeah. apps and algorithms and, and things. So it was all very relatable and very current. Um, um, but uh, I like. I really like um, that episode because um, at the end, when when they said, "Why well, everybody's like, wow, the beef is much better." I mean, <laughs> hands down, most people feel like that. I think, you know. So, and it was fun. And it was fun getting out of the office too, you know, and going to the health food store, and then going to that place on the meat, food, and stuff. I think. <laughs> so, <laughs> and that was a little store that was right around the corner from. Well, not it was pretty close to the to the studio, and um, and we just went in there and just you know just we just had a lot of fun. I think we, we were out quite a bit. Yeah, we were in restaurants. We had a restaurant. We had three different, three or four different locations. I think that episode. So it was nice to get out and uh, and you know just have some fun at these at these different places. You know, and the comparison of the food stuff and and uh, the health food store, you know, one of my favorite lines is, you know, when Ron Swanson was he was saying, yeah, um, this plate, this health food store is like like a zoo, you know, uh, look at that. <laughs> the Rastafarian uh, hippie guy. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Nature's amazing. Nature's amazing. <laughs> yeah. Just amazing. Yeah. So that, that every time I, it just makes me laugh. And one thing, another thing that I would, would make me laugh about that episode, which I loved, is when I, and I still say these things sometimes to my wife, and it makes makes her kind of cringe. I think <laughs> when we talk, when when Tom was talking about with all the different definitions of you know food and and different things like. App apps, zert, 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 and all that stuff, you know, you know, and so um, I thought that was brilliant writing and, and performance <laughs> as well, you know. So it was just, it was just a lot of fun. It was a very, a very, and the pace of that episode was really, I love the pace of it. Yeah, you know, so, it was just nonstop jokes. Yeah, you know? yeah. Well, that actually ties into my next question, which you know, I think Parks, that cast in particular, maybe a little more than The Office, is kind of known for the a little bit deeper improvisational skills and actual use of improvisation on the show versus the script. You know, they had the things they called the fun runs, you know, which many of those made it in. 
Um, you know, do you as a director, you know, I suppose you're giving up a little bit of control during a fun run or in it's something that's definitely being improv versus what's on the page. Do you have a preference and how do you work with both? Um, to be honest with you, that was one of my favorite parts of, of the show, you know, the fun runs, you know, because all those people, you know, all those people that most of those people that they hired all were very skilled improvisational actors, you know, and, um, and they would come to, and they would, you know, we'd have a list of what was called alts, and then it was a grab, and then it was a grab bag, mm. you know. So if we had time, we would do the alts, and then if we had time, we would do the grab bag, and then we would just do a fun run where everybody could just say whatever they want. So those people <laughs> were all so funny, you know. I really looked forward to it because they they would come. I I always thought they would come with jokes in their, you know, you know, metaphorically speaking, jokes in their pockets, you know. And because I know that's what I do even to this day, I, <laughs> I, I look at I look at the page and I go, well, there's some some better this. Maybe there's a different way to go or a better joke there. And and I'll just and I because I still do it on certain shows that I do now. I say, OK, you know, and I'll warn people before we you know, before we get there. I say, all right, we're going to do a fun run, you know, and um, and and but you have to do it. You can't do it. You have to do it in a um, when you're shooting three cameras at the same time, where you're capturing the whole scene at the same time. Yeah. It's hard to do a lighting setup and then turn around and do another lighting setup. I'm not sure if you know, but on Parks and Rec and uh, The Office, we would shoot three cameras at the same time. So we would capture everything there. And so people could play off each other. It's much easier, but it's harder to do when, you know, you're, there's one lighting setup for this side, this person, then because people forget what they say. And, you know, it's just, it's not as, it's not as, as fluid. So um, uh, the fun run, I didn't feel like I was giving up anything at all because they were, you know, they were just words, you know, and, the, and if it was funnier, a lot of times it would be funnier. Sometimes it wouldn't be. And so we just, it gave us more options. You know, I was never really, I'm never really married to the scripts, uh, especially with, with the caliber of those 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 actors, all those actors are mm, all sure. they're all stars. You know, they're all stars to me. They all had, you know, an, an amazing comedic timing and talent. Well, Z's, we talk about him all the time, and like you know, just wind him up and let him go. You know, and so and he's got that background, and you know, I think Pratt was the big surprise to everybody that you know he didn't really have an improv background. Right. He could improv right. with the best of them, really. Mm -hmm. Right. Right. So, yeah. Cool. He really could. He really could. And Aziz, um, you know, him and Alan Yang, especially I think Alan Yang, did he did he write Soulmates? Yeah, he wrote Soulmates. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I think I did another episode with with Alan and um, and Aziz, you know, Alan, where Alan was a writer. But the two of them just watching them, you know, work together, you know, was just amazing. You know, because they were so good at it. You know, they were all good at coming up with jokes. And it really made me want to go take improv classes. And I, every summer I go, I'm going to take a class this year. And I, go, <laughs> I never do because I think it's important. I think it's I think it's advantageous to have those skills as a director if you can. You know, especially if the if the writers are open to letting the, the directors influence the writing a little bit. You know? That's great. Yeah, and I think I've heard that Mike and Greg were the type of people from a creative standpoint that they would let everyone influence that. They they didn't keep people in their lanes, so to speak. Right, right. It's so true. It's so true. They 
They, uh, if you had a, if, you know, if you had a great idea, it, it might make it, it might not. But I mean, those, those cuts, you know, would typically be, you know, nine, 10, sometimes 15 minutes long, you know, and so, so many scenes would get cut out because there just wasn't enough time. So we would try different things and, and they were, you know, they weren't all great, but a lot of them were great. And it was just kind of sad to, to lose some of these scenes and, and some jokes and stuff just for time, you know, because we were tied to that 21 minute. So that was, that was kind of difficult, but um, it was just a lot of, you know, it was a, it was a lot of fun. It was just, I still, I love fun runs. I just love them. And, but it, again, it has to be the right cast because not everybody can do it. You know? yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah. Do, do you feel like this, the, with the evolution of streaming, there's less, a little less time constraint, you know, it's not so rigid to the 2120 anymore, you know, on, on a, one of these other streaming services, you can have a show that's 37 minutes. You can have a show that's 48 minutes. There doesn't right. seem to be as much restriction because of the commercial breaks and, and all of those things. That's true. That's true. Yeah. Some, it pretty much lands with streaming. It pretty much lands somewhere in the neighborhood of, of 26 and 30, you know, not, it doesn't really go over that, typically for comedy yeah for comedy yeah yeah Yeah. but yeah for comedy because some shows shows like but that's not a comedy like black mirror you know a show like that might be one might be 41 minutes one might be 51 minutes so they uh they're those but comedy it seems like they're still you know somewhere in that 30 at 30 area no more than 30 you know that's what it seems to me got to keep it keep it keep it fast and keep it funny right yeah, because I think yeah. because I think, you know, I think eventually, you know, like I do Grace and Frankie. Um, mm-hmm. and um and that's a show that we 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 kind of keep somewhere in that I think below 30, because I think eventually that show might be, you know, air and uh, on a network or, or some you know, some some other you know platform that might be a little bit more, they, they, they have a little bit more constraints, mm-hmm. you know? So I'm just assuming television is so hard to predict where television is going. <laughs> you know? so. Ken, I had a, a question similar to the script versus improv uh, comparison. You had mentioned that while working on soulmates, that there were uh, many locations mm-hmm. that you had during that episode. Um, and definitely Parks and Rec was not a stranger to using a lot of locations in many other episodes. Do you have a preference for, uh, shooting on set versus location? Like, did it affect things like uh, preparation, making sure you got what you need, that sort of thing? No, not at all. Not at all. Um, I love look. I love going on location. You know, I love going on because I think it just stretches the show out and it makes people feel, you know, it just opens the show up. And I love the challenge of being outside, you know, being in a different location and, and scouting, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, I think Morgan Saget would say, he would tell me sometime, he would say, he was a producer on Parks and Rec, and he would say, guy, guy, you can just go to a location. And because if you know the script already, and then you get to the location, you can, I can kind of visualize it right away. Like, okay, this works, this doesn't work, this is great, this is going to be awesome, you know? So I really kind of like going on location a lot, you know, because it's just a different place and it's just a different challenge, you know, and, um, and making something work. And I mean, I'm very passionate about the locations. Uh, sometimes, you know, sometimes I worked on a show a couple of years ago where 
they would pick your location before you got there. And, um, and it would be like the worst location, <laughs> you know, it would be like, you, you know, like you, you, this, this show takes place in, let's say, I don't know, Connecticut. And then, you know, we're shooting a location that you see palm trees and mountains in the background, you know, so you know, I'm like, no, this does not work. You know, I know we can take it out, you know, but no, we're not going to do that. Can I, I, I uh, agree with you uh, that one of the things I love the most personally about Parks and Rec is how uh, fully fleshed out and realized the world seems, if that seems silly to say maybe, but I think that going on location has done a lot to make it seem like actually like a living, breathing town. So mm-hmm. I think it's very effective. Yeah. Yeah. Especially like with the, you know, when the Eagleton, that whole, the whole Eagleton, Pawnee, your yep. rivalry and stuff. And, you know, I think the episode where they, uh, um, where they, you know, they had a big fence, you know, you know, and, and it was Eagle on one side and then Pawnee on the other side and they were going to throw trash over the shits and stuff, you know. And I think we did another episode. Uh, I think we we're in that same park. So it was kind of fun to go to this park. And then there was a photo shoot. I did an episode. I can't remember the name of the episode, but we did a photo shoot and we went to the local park and, and right there in, in the valley in Studio City and shot in it. And we would try to make it feel as local and neighborhood and like Pawnee, you know, I've never been to Indiana, but you know, there, some of the producers will go, go out there. And, um, and, and so, and we come back with pictures and we try to make it as realistic as possible, you know, as, you know, I, I know we probably didn't do, you know, as, you know, I know I'm, I'm sure being from Indiana, you're like, uh, it doesn't really look like Indiana. <laughs> you know. Actually, I think you guys did a great job. I mean, you did overall, a great job. every once in a while, I'll see something. There's a corner of a palm tree that, you know, maybe wasn't cut, clipped out of frame or something. And if you right. get too wide on City Hall, you're pretty, pretty aware that's not a building you'd find in southern Indiana. But outside of that, I thought you guys always did a great job. So do you know where that City Hall is? It's in uh, Burbank or not Burbank. It's in Pasadena, right? Right. Right. Down yeah. That's where I live. So that was oh, really. Uh, OK. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, it was kind of proud of that. You know, I grew up <laughs> in Pasadena or Altadena. And um, and so I was, we were just kind of, you know, I was kind of proud to always see that city hall and, and the show and stuff. And I love to go out there and, and shoot it, shoot around there every once in a while. Oh, that's so cool. Yeah. We um we, we get into some of the Facebook groups to help kind of promote the podcast and stuff. And there's a there's a number of them are Parks and Rec, you know, fan based groups and you'll see a lot of posts on there where someone went to Pasadena and they'll get a picture, you know, selfie of themselves with the the city hall in the background. So yeah. people love finding that location. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And and you know, I just working with, you know, I I absolutely love working with that cast. I mean, they were all they were all just so great in their own ways. And I felt I just had a real personal friendship with all of them. You know, and um and it was just, a, you know, it was, I have very fond memories. The last episode I did, um, it was one of the greatest days ever. Um, I think it was, it was at um, uh, Donna and Tom go to Hollywood and they, they treat yourself. Treat yourself. <laughs> yep. so, and uh, so and, famous now. Yeah. Yeah. So we did, you know, that was fun. We did all these different locations all around LA and stuff. And then the last day um, we shot, um, uh, I, I jokingly say, okay, we're gonna get, we're gonna go to a sushi place, and so we're thinking about different sushi places, and I think it was supposed to be a sushi place near the near the beach or something, and I kept saying as a joke, like, let's go to Nobu, let's go to Nobu in Malibu, let's go to Nobu, and so we really couldn't find 
any place better than Nobu. So we ended up getting Nobu. So it was a big get, you know, that, but they said, but Nobu is such a popular sushi restaurant here in, in Malibu that they said, you can only, you can get there at 7 a.m., but you got to be out by, I think, 11. You know, <laughs> so, we had a, so we had a very short time to shoot it. And so we got, you know, we got, we shot it, did our thing. It was a beautiful day, you know, shot it. And we were done by 11 or 12. And then we just sat down and had lunch and a lot of sake. <laughs> well earned. <laughs> yeah. And Aziz had a show that night. And so we had to, uh, we were, look, we, all of us, we went to the show and we we're a little hungover. <laughs> <laughs> That's great. <clears throat> well, Ken, with uh, such a wide and eclectic resume, you know, what are some of the experiences you enjoy talking about outside of Parks and Rec and the office? You know, you've been a part of a lot of beloved shows for a lot of different groups of people. So with different experiences, uh, that was the one thing that really struck me looking at your resume. Feel like everyone will know a show you've done. Oh yeah, that's that's uh that's that's nice of you to say. I mean, I I'd like to think that I'm doing something special in each episode. I take that very every episode very seriously and work very hard. I immerse myself in the episode and I'm very detailed. Just yesterday, I was yeah, I had this little vial and this like it was a stink bomb or something. <laughs> it was you know from that we were going to use in this episode. And I was very specific about how much liquid is in it and you know so i'm just i'm just i immerse myself into it so i just love what i do so um but i think some of the moments that stand out the most are probably my first episode of of the office you know my first episode of parks and rec because it was it was such a it was a new show and um and i remember my first scene we were um we it was a it was a they invited all the um the past summer catalog Summer yeah. Catalog. yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. So, okay, so we all went on this, we went on this hike into the woods and stuff. And, and just, you know, it was just so much fun. I remember that vividly. I remember I had on some sunglasses and just about half the day. And um, Nick said, <laughs> we haven't seen your eyes all day. We need to see your eyes. So I took my glasses <laughs> off. <laughs> but he was such a great guy. Um, Nick Offerman is hilarious. Um, so, um, that uh, I think Scrubs, one of my in my first, um, I developed this this one this shot. We took a crane on top of a building in a Holly in Hollywood. I did this oneer, it was three sixty oneer, and then pulled out saw the, the the city, and that was just a very memorable experience. And then right after I did it, because it was it was everybody really thought it was going to be hard to achieve and it was just something i kind of dreamed of and i just said i think we can get it done and it worked and everybody and the whole cast and everybody producer was like welcome to scrubs you know so that was my you know that <laughs> that's that, awesome that became a regular on the show you know so things like that stand out and um and just you know just a lot of moments that you know um just a lot of different moments phyllis's wedding you know um, improving and coming up with new business and stuff. So, yeah, there are, there are a lot of very fond memories that I have from my career. That's great. We're big Scrubs fans as well. So, oh, yeah. Yeah. yeah you should call sure. up Bill Lawrence and see about this new thing he's doing. I don't know if you've heard about it. It's called Ted Lasso. I, you know, somebody told me about it, but I'm not really. <laughs> no, yeah, that thing. Whoa, it's blowing up. I, I need to call Bill for sure. You really should. I mean, I think that would be an. I'd love to see your touch on that show. In fact, 
Yeah, yeah. I think I'm going to reach out to him because that is such a brilliant show. It's really funny. It's really, really funny. Um, well, if if you do call us, we'll come do an onset interview. You'll have to get his credentials, of course. But all right. We'll be okay. happy to do it. We'll document it. I, all yeah. right. Yeah, that sounds good. No, but yeah, he's um, that's another guy that I love working with, Bill Lawrence. He's he's just uh, he gives you a lot of freedom, and um, and he, I mean, he's one of the only producers <clears throat> that I've ever worked with that said, "Oh yeah, that part, you know, Ken, if you have a friend who wants to do it, you know, somebody wants to do it, just call them up and let them do it." Never. Wow. Yeah, yeah. You know, that's freedom, and and directors really you know, appreciate that kind of freedom and, and, and just, you know, live for it if they can have it, you know, but I guess you kind of have to earn it too, I guess. I don't know. But he, uh, he uh, gave me a lot of freedom on that show. It was very, I love the way he runs the show. You know, he's, he's a really good showrunner. I've heard that. Well, Ken, along the way, you know, you've also been attached uh, as a producer and executive producer, um, like Alan said before, we clearly know all the inner workings of Hollywood. Um, but can, can you tell us how that experience differs uh, from a, a, a gig as a director or even a running gig as a director on a show? Yeah. How that differs for the most part is you have to be there every day. <laughs> so, <laughs> so, so, you know, there's a, there's, there's a good and a bad to it, you know, because starting off as a director, you know, as a freelance director, episodic director, you get, you know, you work, you work a couple of weeks and you're off a week, you work a couple of weeks and you're off a couple of weeks, or, you know, it just depends on how much, you know, how much, how popular you are, or how much, how, how in demand you are. Um, so that's, um, that's, I kind of got used to that. And then, but then when you say, okay, I'm going to be a producer, like Suburgatory was my first time producing. I knew nothing about producing. Um, so I got in, I started two months early, I remember, <laughs> on Suburgatory, not getting paid. I had an office, but I was not getting paid because I was so worried about being good and when to you know, know what I was doing and stuff. And because we had to we had to hire people and, I, you know, so it was myself and Emily Kapnick. Um, and um, we, you know, we I learned a lot by it. But what I also learned about it was, wow, it was a, it's a big commitment because because I wasn't used to being somewhere every day. Even when I was stage managing, I wasn't, you know, we, you know, we have some time off, but when you're producing, there's really no time off. You're there every day because there's always something to do. There's something to edit. There's emails to answer. There's, um, um, there's casting. There's just always something to do. So it's a very demanding job. So it really has to be the right situation um, for you to take on the job. You know, like I, um, because you you just have to be ready for that commitment and ready to be there, you know, twelve hours a day, you know, sometimes. Because, wow. like I said, because while they're shooting as an executive producer, um, you should be there from the time they start shooting until the time they end. And sometimes it, you know, it's longer than that because there's so much to do all the time. So wow. no going home early. <laughs> wow, wow, that that sounds intense. Yeah, yeah, it's a it's a it's a big commitment, but you know, um, I wish I would have started doing it earlier, um, because now that I'm you know um, getting a little long in the tooth, <laughs> it's uh, it's it's you know it's six o'clock, seven o'clock comes, I'm like, well, it's, it's time for a scotch and almost time for bed, <laughs> you know, so so <laughs> so it gets a little harder the older you get. <laughs> 
Wow. Did you meet Emily on Parks and Rec? Because I know she was a producer on there at one point in that show. That's really funny. My wife just asked me that today. Um, (laughs) We were we were watching. We were watching. I mean, I'm sorry. Last week we were watching an episode and she and we saw her name pop up. And I was like, she said, didn't, did you know Emily from there? I'm like, I knew, I think I knew she was on the show, but I really didn't know her. You know, I didn't, I didn't do any of her episodes, but uh, no. So, so I didn't know her. First time I I met her, it was really kind of funny how I got the job. I, um, I was called to do what I thought was an episode of Suburgatory. And um, they said, well, we want you to go to Warner Brothers and watch it and then go over to Emily Kapnick's house to talk to her about it. And I said, mm, that's interesting. I said, you know, normally, you know, I just get, you know, they say, hey, you, they offer me an episode and then I do it. You know, why do I have to go watch it and then go meet with, you know, meet with somebody? And so, um, I mean, every once in a while that happens, but very rare. So I was on, on my way to her house and I called my agent to ask about it. And so he, she, he said, well, no, you're going to meet about a producer, a producer director position. And I was like, Really? Like, <laughs> I was like, that sounds like a big commitment. And I've never produced before. And what does it entail? You know, what it, what does it really entail? Because that was a relatively new position, you know, for a lot of, you know, during that time. Yeah. Um, so um, I went over her house and we had a nice talk and she was great. And um, she offered me the position. And so I was yeah. like, whoa, okay, well, this is new. Let me try something new. So, um, and then she was great to work with. I love working with her. She's a great writer, great person. And we had a lot of fun. That's terrific. Yeah. Wow. Well, Ken, you know, we always try to wrap up with asking, uh, trying to look forward a little bit, you know, what's up coming up for you? Where can people find some of your upcoming work? Uh, some of the new work that I'm doing. Oh, uh, I just, I took a little break. <clears throat> I took a little break over the summer. So, I'm just now really getting back to work. So the things that I'm doing coming up are uh, uh, Wonder Years and the Wonder Years uh, on ABC. Um, Grace and Frankie, um, they're, we're going to release, I think, um, I think 14 more episodes. I can't wow. remember. Are they in like a third or fourth season at this point? No, seven. No, really? Yeah, seven. Oh, seven wow. Seasons. Yeah. Wow. Yeah, okay, yeah. that's great. I really love working with Marta Kaufman and, and, and Jane and Lily and, you know, Sam and, and Martin. So it's a, you know, I've been doing that about, you know, since season two, I think. And so um, that that's coming out. And then I'm doing a new show on, on ABC called Maggie. Um, I, I think it's going to be a, a mid-season replacement. Um, so those are the things I have, the immediate things that I'm coming out, that, that are coming out that you can look out for. But right now I'm just more into uh, pitching, pitching shows um, and developing shows. And so, um, going out this week and pitching um, tomorrow, actually pitching uh, uh, some, some shows to Netflix and Hulu and HBO max and see if we can sell something. That's great. Awesome. So are you, are you new into development then? Is that kind of, you know, yeah. have you been into that for yeah. a bit? I've, I've done it. I've done it over the past couple of years, like four, about four or five years, but um, haven't sold anything yet. Haven't sold anything yet. Well, actually, no, we did. We sold one. But it, but the, it didn't get made, you know, because some people left the network and it just didn't get pay, uh, made. But uh, it's uh, I've been doing it for a while, pitching, pitching shows. So but just nothing is sold yet. So 
still at it, you know. Well, good luck. Well, thank you. Thank you. I appreciate it. Well, Ken, thanks for agreeing to talk to us today. It's been great talking to you. Really appreciate it. And, you know, uh, we look forward to seeing your work uh, out there soon. Absolutely. Okay. I appreciate it. And thanks you. Thank you for getting in touch with me and, and being interested and a fan of the Parks and Rec. Because, um, um, you know, I, I absolutely adore Amy. And, and I, you know, and, and she was just, you know, I think it was just a great vehicle for her. And, and we just had a lot of fun. And, and she's, She's, I don't know, she's one of my favorite people. So thanks. Us too. Awesome. <laughs> All right. Well, thanks again, Ken. All right. Thank Ken, you. thank you so much. We All appreciate right. it. Okay, no problem. Thank See ya. You. All, All right. right. Take care. Bye. Bye. everybody welcome back well we we hope you enjoyed that exclusive interview with director ken whittingham i I know mark and i certainly enjoyed speaking with him and uh i just you know one of our better interviews and like i said he made it easy absolutely i i said this at the beginning i'll say it again he's a great conversationalist he was a great uh guest he was very gracious uh he's very easy to talk to i i enjoyed it yeah and 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 what a career i mean you know he's had oh yeah like i said i think in the interview you know he's he has probably done something that almost every one of our viewers, you know, even if they didn't watch Parks and Recreation, has seen at some point. So a pretty yeah. diverse body of work. So uh, nice job and looking forward. I know at the time we recorded this, since this was a while ago, you know, he's talking about stuff that's about to come out. Some of that has come out since. So if right. you go out and look up some of the stuff he referred to, it, it's already out there now. You can see it at this point. And we definitely would have aired this uh, sooner, you know, had the Gremlins not been in the machine, of course. And uh, <laughs> <laughs> so our, our apologies to Ken and thank you again, Ken. And thank you everybody at home for listening. So, you know, uh, we're really looking forward to uh, our next one of these uh, spotlight interviews. And we've got a couple in the hopper. Absolutely. Yeah, I, I thought it was fantastic. And like you said, Alan, he's had a, a great, impressive career. Um, and we were very this was a very lucky get for us. Yeah, it was great. It was it was absolutely good. And uh, so thank you again, everybody. And we look forward to seeing you next week when we're back with a, no, a new episode. And until then, have a great week. All right. Bye, everyone. Bye, everyone. Live from Pawnee is a copyrighted production of the creators. Copyright 2020. All rights reserved. Original music was created and performed by Aaron Emerson of Emerson Studios. Clips are used under fair use doctrine for the purpose of commentary and parody. Please see our website at livefrompawnee.com for more details or to contact us.